My name is Michelle, and I'll be your moderator for this class. Welcome to the Madison, Wisconsin School. This is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. <clears throat> this school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Madison branch was established in 1987. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that Elohim is a title that our Creator chose for Himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that produce a sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus or Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state He is incomprehensible and inscrutable. It's the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in His pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud, he merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son a superincorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the, wor <clears throat> whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? 
a further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of a Holy Name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In a school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern. Absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional objectives and aims of the Institute are as follows. First, help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature, and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose, through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the dragon, the devil, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which is once delivered under the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of more glorification in the newer earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. Our scripture reading tonight will be First Peter, the first chapter. That will please be read by Dr. Delilah Tucker of the Madison, Wisconsin School. And if we could begin class with a prayer tonight from Dr. David Klopach of the Madison, Wisconsin School. Thank you. Hello, class. Let's all bow our hearts and minds into Yahshua. Yashua, please let us take a minute here and relax, calm our minds and calm our hearts from the day so we can concentrate on what is being said in tonight's Zoom class. Let us open our hearts and our minds so that we can think about what's being said and make sure it makes sense. And if it doesn't make sense, we ask questions so we can get right before the end. Thank you for giving us the thoughts, the desire to know more about you. And thank you for always taking care of us, Yashua. With that, let's say hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Good evening. I'll be reading first Peter, the first chapter. Peter, an apostle of Yahshua the Messiah, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of Yahweh the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Yahshua the Messiah. Grace unto you in peace be multiplied. Blessed by the Elohim and Father of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in you for heaven, I'm sorry, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of Yahweh through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though not for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Yahshua the Messiah, whom having not seen, ye love, and whom, though not ye see him not, now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what on what manner of time the spirit of Yahshua, which was in them, did, did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Yahshua and the glory that should follow unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they do minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Yahshua the Messiah as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance but as he which hath called you is holy so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written be ye holy for I am holy and if ye call on the father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Yahshua as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, 
who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in Yahweh, that raised him from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in Yahweh. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not in corruptible seed, but in incorruptible, by the word of Yahweh, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is as the flower of grass, and the grass wherewith and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of Yahweh endureth forever, and this is the word which by the angel is preached unto you. Thank you. Our readers tonight will please be Dr. Karen Gagno of the Madison, Wisconsin School and Dr. Jessica Earhart of the Green Bay, Wisconsin School. Also, Dr. Kelly Gagno and myself from the Madison, Wisconsin School will be backup readers this evening. Welcome everyone. Welcome one and all. We're glad to have you with us. We have many returning visitors tonight. Welcome, welcome. We are going to have a three speaker format with each speaker receiving approximately 35 minutes. And the first speaker we'd like to invite on the floor is Dr. Jessica Earhart of the Green Bay, Wisconsin School. Hi class. Um, as much as I would like to talk, I'm not in the right mind frame and I've got too many fires going on at once. So thank you for the opportunity and whoever does get on the floor, I, I hope that we are all edified and thank you in advance. Um, hallelujah. All right, thank you. Our Next speaker that we'd like to invite to have something to say is Dr. Alice Seward of the Madison, Wisconsin School. Hi, I had to unmute, sorry about that. Can everybody hear me? Yes, we can. Okay, good. I am pleased to be here with all of you this evening. Um, it's just uh, such an unspeakable blessing to sit under this uh, vision and revelation and to learn more of it all the time. And um, I don't know how in the world I got involved in this, <laughs> but I'm very grateful. And uh, um, that's something on my mind lately. I want to see... Um, but I'd like to go uh, to the uh, scripture reading. 
Uh, I guess start at three. Peter, first Peter, first chapter, verse three. Blessed be the Elohim and father of Yahshua the Messiah, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Yahshua from the dead. To right, so... There is no, I'm sorry, I'm, I'll be interrupting. Um, there's no question of who's responsible for that. It was Yahweh that raised Joshua from the dead. Um, it's he that has the power to do so because he has all power. Um He is not, uh, um, a weak Elohim, if you will. Um, but knowing that, that Yahshua the Messiah was raised from the dead is one of the, uh, tenets of salvation, if you will. It said, you must believe that he came in the flesh and that he died and was buried and was resurrected on the third day, right? Because it was a phenomenal day. And um, That's what he is. Okay, well, let's go back. Let's just go on to four. Four, to an inheritance uncorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Yeah. Five. And that's, a, that's an amazing thing. Where does it say, I'm terrible with scriptures? But if we are sons, then heirs. I think it's Paul. Um, um, no, I wish I could get more specific. Um. But it's about being heirs to the kingdom with Yahshua. Somewhere in Romans, the eighth chapter, maybe? Eight, sixteen, seventeen. Thank you. Start with fifteen. Romans eight and fifteen, you said, Sasha? Fourteen. Fourteen. Okay. Romans 8 and 14. For as many as are led by the spirit of Yahweh, they are the sons of Yahweh. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of Yahweh. And if children, 
than heirs, heirs of Yahweh and joint heirs with the Messiah. If joint so, heirs with the Messiah. Just think about that. Um, that's that's amazing. You know, his will be all glory. And all things will be under him that are in heaven and that are on the earth. And he's going to share that inheritance with us. It's just um, magnificent. So I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just think you read something like that and you can move on and read the next sentence, but sometimes it's good to stop and say, wait a second, what did he just say? And pause and go again and let it sink in. Anyway, go on reading. In Romans or back in the scripture? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Back in the scripture. Yep. Um, Just pick it up at four again in the scripture. Okay, four. To an inheritance uncorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Who so are this, kept by the this inheritance. He has in mind for us it's perfect and can't be messed with and it's permanent it's not an earthly carnal temporary shadow of things it's the real thing and it is forever and that's, you know, that's a living hope. That's a gift of living hope that he gives with, you know, in his grace, Yahshua, that he gives to us. Um, Um, okay, I'm not giving you a chance to get very far, but go ahead. Five, who are kept by the power of Elohim through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye right. greatly rejoice. Go ahead. Wherein ye greatly rejoice through now, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. It always got me a little bit that he says, uh, now for a season, you're in heaviness. I think, wait a minute, that's pretty much life from the minute you come in. <laughs> um, as you're being changed. You know, it's like having uh, root balls pulled out of your front garden, you know, and they have to go in so deep. And he's breaking down your heart and nothing less. 
I remember Dave used to always say it is a circumcision of the heart that you're involved in. And uh, saying that for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations just doesn't seem to do it justice sometimes. Though it goes on to say that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold. That's the trial being more precious than of gold. It perishes though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Yahshua the Messiah. So it's worth it the way that um, fine metals are purified in fire to remove any impurities and to help mold them into what shape the artist would have them. And uh, it's a process that really involves you. And I've been thinking a lot about, for some reason, I keep hearing Patrick Latortu talking about uh, many many fascinating things but one thing is to please remember you can have a conversation with him that you can talk to him as you would talk to a friend and I need to remember that and do more of that because I certainly feel his, you know, this turning into a more of a testimonial and then I'll be down, but um, I feel him working in my life. Changing my sight, changing what's important to me. Um. And calling me home, you know. And uh, I want to stay close to live this uh, living gospel and this vision that explains it so incredibly beautifully. Um. So that's all I really have for you tonight. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be heard. And all uh, glory goes to Yahshua, the Messiah. With that, I'll just say hallelujah and pass it on. Thank you. Our next speaker will please be the Dean of the Madison, Wisconsin School, Dr. Steve Gagnon. Good evening, everyone. Um... Good evening. Yeah, um, this is a school, and we are not a church, and we come down here to learn things and uh, share with you the things that we have learned through this vision and revelation that was given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the year 1931. And uh, 
one of the things that we like to repeat is as he explained his vision, he said, make me prove it to your satisfaction. And uh, I would like to say that I have been satisfied. And uh, it has been proven to me. This book, this Bible, this book that we have doesn't read like it did before I came into this school. And even the founder, who was kind of a bibliomaniac and a minister in the Church of God of some sort back in his day, um, said after the vision, it didn't read the same to him. He was able to put it together as according to Yahweh's purpose, pattern, and plan and reveal things to us that he was shown in a vision and a revelation. So with that knowledge that we've had over time, uh, you know, uh, Jess and Alice, uh, Jess been around quite a while. Alice has been around. Not everybody can get on this uh, Zoom or we would say the floor if we're in a classroom with the charts all in front of us uh, and preach it. But everybody has a reasonable testimony of what's something that Yahweh has revealed to them because that's what eternal life is. Can I get John 17 and 3, please? We're going to read the Messiah. This is the Messiah. And then this Bible, when they read this, this will be red letters. And when you have Bibles that have red letter editions, it means the Messiah is speaking. So the Messiah is going to say something here. And can we get that? John 17 and 3. You can even start at one and just read. John 17 and 1. These words spake Yahshua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Now now, most people, you would say, you know, even if they're not heavy churchgoers, you know, they were raised up knowing a little bit here and there. They all want to go to heaven. You know, people want to go to heaven. You know, they don't think they're as bad as Adolf Hitler, they'll say. I'm not that bad. I, You know, I'm better than most. But and so they think they got a ticket and they want to go to heaven. When the Messiah is going to tell you what eternal life is and he has the power to give it. So... Read that again. Two. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal. Uh-oh, this is it, he's going to say. So everybody ought to lean into their speaker right now and go, what is he going to say? What is it? Read. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true Elohim, and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. So eternal life is to know thee, the only true Elohim, which is a term for Yahshua. He is the Elohim on earth. That was Yahweh in a body. He, his name means Yahweh is salvation. Yahshua means Yahweh is salvation. That spirit is in him. It's not God's little boy. Yahweh came, had a purpose. It's like thought, word, and deed. I'll just give you a little Godhead example here. 
Yahweh in pure spirit state, it cannot be discerned. We say it in the moderation all the time, is spirit. That's thought. I have a thought. And then I speak it through a word. It takes on shape and form in, the, in a visionary shape as the word, like a blueprint. You have a thought of making a house, you make a blueprint. But then you have to make the house. And Yahshua is the one that he just read in two to give eternal life. But you have to know him. You have to know him. Well, how do we do that? Through the scriptures. We learn to know what Yahshua is and doesn't like and, and so on and so forth. You learn to know him. And uh, in, in the Genesis, I always like to share this. Genesis in the, Adam, had Eve was taken out of him, and he knew Eve, it says, and she conceived and bore a son. So knowing someone is a conception and it bears offspring or fruit. And knowing Yahshua will bear fruit. I hope you catch that. But this is life eternal is to know him and be fruitful in that knowledge. And that's what we're down here to learn and come into an understanding of. Now we're reading here in Peter, but there's a whole lot of stuff in the beginning of this Bible, in the middle of this Bible, and at the end of the Bible. And all of it is necessary to have it all goes together to show you something. And this chart that's sitting in front of you right now is called the Moses chart. This is way back in the beginning of the book, Moses chart. So we're, we can talk about this. And I'm just picking up the few that are newer. And I know there's people that have been around. And anything that has been revealed by Yahweh through the vision and revelation is worthy of being repeated. I'll just, it's just, it's a revelation and the world doesn't have it. And every revelation can be expanded on. It can take you to another revelation and so on and so forth. And just pulling back, the revelation just means you're just pulling a veil back and you're seeing more and more and more. Think of it that way. So this, um, I was listening to um, uh, Alice talk about this uh, Peter and she started reading in here and uh uh, it starts in, uh, let's start at four and get down to seven because he's going to talk about, <laughs> Peter's talking to some people and they're strangers and they're from scattered throughout Pontus in the first verse, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, a lot, all in the Mediterranean. These are all cities along the Mediterranean. They're not in Jerusalem per se. But they're from there, strangers scattered throughout. And he's writing to these people. You know, they're nearby, but, you know, they're not standing in Jerusalem, it's, uh, evidently. And, and here's another thing. Peter is an apostle, it says, the first line. Peter, an apostle of Yahshua. Jeez, wonder when he got to be made pope. We were talking recently about him. He was never made a pope. There, upon this whole thing upon the rock and this and that people misconstrued this he always was an apostle just like any other apostle and he never went to rome he had never gone to rome paul was the one that went to rome just to take that away from you and we can work with that later but i'm just trying to get to this uh, to an inheritance in verse four uh, incorruptible and undefiled read peter 
whichever one of you want it. Don't all fight over it. One and Verse four. four. <laughs> to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. So eternal life, and we want this. He's talking about the same thing. There's an inheritance undefiled. It's in Yahshua. You got to know him. There's an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that, that fades not away, reserved for you in heaven. Read. Who are kept by the power of Yahweh through faith unto salvation, ready to be so, revealed in the last time. Here's one of the things Yahweh uses because we are physical on an earth plane and we don't get to see spirit. We look on the top of the mountain, we see a cloud. We don't know everything about it. So it has to be broken down for us. So it has to be revealed. The faith ready to be revealed in the last time. You need to understand what faith is. It's not blind faith. We find out that faith is evidence. If Yahweh shows you something and it comes to pass, you can have faith in it the next time that that's what Yahweh does. Oh, I see Yahweh. He can open up a Red Sea. And we went through it. So we have faith that Yahweh was salvation unto us, and we went through a Red Sea. They had the same opportunity when they went through the River Jordan. After 40 years in the wilderness, they had to go through the River Jordan and go and get their inheritance. And uh, they looked at the River Jordan, and they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and all everybody's in line, and they're all following, and it doesn't open. So they had faith from the first time, and they took a step in the water, it says. And when they stepped into the water, the water parted immediately, and they all went through on dry ground, just like they did. So the faith they had in the beginning helped them in the end. The first faith was given to them. They really didn't have to believe. Yahweh showed them that that's who he was and did it, and they went through. The second time, they had to put their foot forward and use the faith. And, you know, it's just an example of how faith works. Now, I want to, uh, let's get down to read seven. Keep re reading, because he's talking about you're going to learn something ready to uh, revealed at the last time. And then he's going to talk about, he's going to put you through all these trials and tribulations. And he's going to do all these things. What's he going to do that for? What you find out is he has to prove that you have faith, just like he did with them back there. What's good is faith if he doesn't put you in a situation where you cry out to Yahweh for your faith to be delivered because you know he's going to open he's going to deliver you. He didn't pro he promised not to leave you there. He was going to take you forward to know him more and so on. So read with that understanding. First step. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptation. Read that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Yahshua the Messiah. Sounds like a kind of a it's not what people are running around saying, geez, I'm in a trial. Great. But when it's all over, that's when they say that. And you got to learn to realize that Yahshua doesn't leave you comfortless. Doesn't when he like you come down here and you start to get a knowledge of him and you cry out to him, you're going to find out he's listening. And you actually know his name. 
Yahweh, Yahshua, please deliver me. You know, the prayer today, David said, let us focus today. Yes, Yahshua, let us, you know, you have a biz total. You have to go in and like we say down in Egypt, they had to build the treasure cities for Pharaoh. And they had in the end, they had to build it with, they get their own straw and build it. So they were distracted all day long. So David says, let us focus, allow us to focus and listen so that we can hear these things, these great things, and not be distracted during these classes. Because we're going to need it when we turn around and the next day get up and go to work. And right away, somebody tries to, tries to steal your joy. Somebody tries to, you know, get in your way, cuts you off on the way to work. And you're like, geez, what was that? You know, everything. This world can be a distraction, but Yahshua is teaching us how to pay attention in our trials and pay attention to him. It's baby steps. It's what we do. We do it. I've been doing it for close to 40 years. And you get the hang of it after a while. So can I get uh, uh, Sasha, Mike, whatever, uh, Hebrews where faith is 12th or 11th chapter of Hebrews? 11. 11th chapter? I want to get there too. Yeah, there it is. And this is Paul the Apostle. And we're still back here. But he's talking about, in this, when you read it, he's talking about all the Noah, Abraham, and all these people, Enoch, all the way through the Bible. He's got a faith by this guy, that guy. He talks about one after another. David, this guy, all of the patriarchs, we'll call them, had something to do with faith. And he describes what faith is in the verse 11 and 1. So let's read 11 and 1, please. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So faith, come, you know, the word faith is substance. What does that mean? Like I can pick up my book. I can pick up, you know, uh, my pen. That's substance. So faith is substance of things hoped for well what is it that we're actually hoping for we want to know something about our savior right we want to know something about yahweh it says we got to know him so i guess faith is the substance of things hoped for faith is yashua we get to see yashua we're faithful in the end result is we see yashua you catch it the substance of things hoped for and read the evidence of things not seen. So we don't see him, but there's going to be evidence of the thing we can't see, which is Yahshua. You, you catch it? Now, faith is substance of things hoped for and evidence of the things we can't see. And then read. Who's my for reader? The elders obtained a good report. Thank through you. Faith, Keep going. Through faith, we understand that the worlds are framed by the word of Elohim. Through faith, we understand something. We know that Yahweh was the creator of all. And we start to see that there's a pattern. If you read Genesis, he divides the waters above and the waters beneath. And we realize that after a while, we come to show you that it's all going by a pattern. Elohim, you look at the top of this chart, it says in big blue area up there in the middle of the cloud, Elohim, the archetype, or the archetype means original. So he's the archetype, original pattern of the universe there's a pattern of the universe so we're going to need to know something about this pattern we find out it's threefold yet one 
and so on and so forth. And I'm not going to go back into that right now, but I'm trying to work with just having faith. So Yahweh showed him the, the worlds were framed. It was the waters above, waters beneath, and a firmament in the middle. Everything was one, two, three, yet one day. One, two, three, yet one day. One, two, three, yet one day up until the sixth day. You know, and then the seventh day he rests. So you have to know something about this pattern. But they knew, Paul says, through faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of Yahweh so that things which are seen were not made of things that do appear. In other words, Everything came from pure spirit. There's This creation came in. What was there? There was nothing. Only Yahweh, the creator. What is Yahweh? Yahweh is spirit. So he took spirit and turned it into something concrete that we can see to understand him. And he did this in eternity and then put man on earth and started his purpose. They look out there and they... They look at this telescope and he's looking back, trying to find the beginning of time. And it just keeps going back billions and billions and trillions and they can't find the beginning because Yahweh doesn't have a beginning and an end. He's an eternity. The creation reflects him. There is no beginning, no end to him. He doesn't even live in time. The sun doesn't go around Yahweh. Yahweh creates the sun within him. There is no time in Yahweh. It's all of this stuff is just amazing when you can start to understand things. And I'm going off the rails on this stuff, but I just got to get down to, yeah, just by faith, we understand the world. Uh, uh, read that and then go down to four. Who's my reader? For by faith. Thank you. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds are framed by the word of Elohim, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Thank you. Now read the next by, one, Jess. By faith, Abel offered unto Elohim a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Elohim testifying of his gifts, and by it he bring being he, dead not speaketh. He was killed by his brother, so he being dead speaks not. He speaketh. In other words, his sacrifice spoke volumes because it was accepted. All right? That's what he's saying. So Abel had a more excellent than Cain because Cain offered fruit. Uh, or wait. Uh, which way was it? Cain offered the fruits and Abel offered the lamb. I can't even remember which one it was, but one was accepted no, and one right. wasn't. What's that? That's right. That's right. Cain offered the fruits. Yeah, he offered the fruits. And what you find out was Yahweh didn't hate Cain. He just didn't accept his sacrifice. But that made Cain angry and he killed his brother. The reason was because when Yahweh started his purpose, it talks about in Revelation and other places that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before the world was created, Yahweh took on a shape and form known as Yahweh Elohim, which is that pattern, and made everything that we see according to that pattern. So it had to come first the lamb. He was called himself a lamb. He was a lamb. Now, after we come into an understanding and are faithful, we become fruitful. So fruits do come later. But the first thing, the sacrifice he had to accept was he had to accept uh Abel's sacrifice of the lamb and not Cain's 
And that's what made uh, Cain revealed his nature because he had a nature that he couldn't accept it. Anyhow, so that's a lot of stuff there, but anyhow. And then read five now. We're going to go down to one of the other patriarchs. After Abel and Cain, there was Enoch. Read. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because Elohim had translated him. For before his translation, he had his testimony that he pleased Elohim. Yeah, he was. Uh, I don't want to go into Enoch because Enoch was uh, taken out of the flesh because he believed Yahweh right out of the gate. And we can go back. There's some other stuff. But and uh, verse six, without faith, read. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Please who? He, Yahweh. Read. For he that cometh to Elohim must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek so, him. This goes back to what is the definition that Paul was saying? This is life eternal, that we might know him. So without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to Yahweh must believe that he is. We must, you know, we have to know him. That's how you believe he is. <laughs> you got to know him. So when you know something that he is, then he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see how this is all coming together with faith and knowing and eternal life. You know, Noah did something. Here, Abraham in number eight, read. Please. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. So... Faith went through, uh, uh, Abraham went through several, he was known as faithful Abraham because Abraham did a bunch of stuff that first Yahweh showed him that he was with him by giving him an increase in, up in the land of Canaan before they came down, uh, you know, a long time back. He was an early patriarch. He received a reward of, of many sheep and so on and so forth. He was constantly been given blessings and Every time, it, he just kept going to trial after trial after trial. One of the last ones is uh, one of my favorite ones back in Genesis, the sixth chapter, where he, he's told to offer up his son Isaac that he was promised, and he never received a son until he was old, past him and his wife could never have children, and they were past childbearing years. And uh, actually, they had uh, a son by the handmaiden of his wife, she gave the handmaiden, so, and then he did have a son. But that wasn't the one of the promise. He was promised one from his his beloved wife, not his handmaid. And he ends up having uh, 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 Isaac. And after Isaac becomes old, he's like 20-some years old. He and Abraham, Abraham's given a trial, and he's told, can we go back and get that in Genesis? And I'll read this thing, and that'll be the end of my lecture here. I'll go to Genesis what is it? Uh, is it sixth chapter? Uh, no, it's not. Somebody help me where he's going to go up and offer uh, Isaac. 22. Huh? 22. 22. Exodus 22. Thank you. Genesis. Yes. This is 22 Genesis. and 1. Yeah. So Abraham, I'll, I'll take your son, he says, in two. 
and offer your son upon this offer uh, uh, upon Mount Moriah for a burnt offering. He's he's trying. It's t- a trial. So it, at verse three, we'll start at 22 and three. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which Elohim had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide you here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. So he's going up the mountain, and he's going to offer up thy son on the top of the mountain, and he's on a three-day journey. So for three days... He's thinking, I got Yahweh's got me going to the top of a mountain to offer up my son, my only son. But I know Yahweh had promised me this son, so I will go. It's a trial of his faith. He doesn't know how Yahweh's going to raise his son. He doesn't know. He knows he's got to offer him, but he knows that Yahweh gave him to him when he was old, past childbearing. So he was already dead in his 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 mind and in his wife's womb was dead. So he got him as a gift from Yahweh. Now Yahweh wants him to offer him. Do you see that? So he's trying his faith. But yet Abraham can only do this because he's already seen Yahweh provide for him over and over and over. You read the whole story and he's, multiple times he's provided for him. So Abraham has this tremendous faith and he's he's making a statement. He said, uh, Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, took two young men with him, Isaac, his son, and the wood for the burnt offering. I mean, come on. You know, then on the third day, and we talk about the Messiah was death, went through a death, burial, resurrection, and rose on the third day, Yahshua. He rose on the third day. And you'll find out that Yahweh repeats the same thing. So for three-day journey, in Abraham's mind, he has his son Isaac dead, buried, and resurrected all in his mind. It's taking place in his mind. Well, the place that Yahshua died was called Golgotha. You look up the word Golgotha, they never, it's called the place of the skull. Yahshua died in the mind of us. It's in the mind. These things start tying together, and there's just pieces that just are so pretty and so beautiful. Why does Joshua, Yahshua have to die in Golgotha? Abraham died in his mind. And all of these patriarchs had faith. The faith was in their mind. They knew the witnesses. And the witnesses was a trial of their faith in their mind and in their heart. They had their heart and mind tried at that point. So anyhow, he's on that on the third day. He lifts his eyes and sees the place. And he tells in verse 5, this is interesting. Read this for me, Michelle. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide you here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. What? I thought he was killing them. He already has them dead, buried, and resurrected. See, we're going to do this, and we're going to come back again. He knows it. He just doesn't know how. But he believes he has faith that Yahweh didn't send him here for nothing just to prove his faith. So read 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And we know the rest of it that they, you know, there's a lamb and, and they 
Yahweh provide himself a lamb and, and, and they offer up the lamb in the stead. But this is the trial of faith. This is the kind of thing that's going to happen uh, in principle to you, not in manifestation. We're not going to be tied down and offering people up and so on and so forth. But daily, you have to always look to Yahshua while you're in a situation. And if you look to the good, Yahshua will turn that into a witness for you. And that's my testimony. I've seen it over and over and over. We just have to look to Yahshua, he, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. So with that, I'll turn it over. And Michelle, I don't have time. to. I'm a bad typer. You already did. I did put it in there. Oh, I am way ahead of myself. Good for so you. Thank you for the time, our everyone. Our next speaker will please be the president of the Madison, Wisconsin School, Dr. Sasha Rockmilievich. Uh, good evening, everyone. Can you hear me well? Yes, we hear you fine. Well, it's good to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. And I enjoyed what the previous speakers were talking about. And I would like to continue with what um, the previous speaker, uh, Steve, was uh, talking about, because this is a uh, very uh, important and uh, for many people difficult topic to discuss. And the topic is, I put it in, a, in the people's uh, terms, why God allows sufferings? Why if we read the Bible, if we believe God, so why he still wants us uh, to suffer? Because this, um, so this is the logic in uh, people's mind. So it's known that uh, uh, people suffer in the world, people who believe God, people who don't believe God, religious people, non-religious people suffer. And uh, uh, often you'll find out that uh, people who are true believers look, look at the life of the apostles, for example, so they suffer more than uh, people who uh, don't believe uh, in Yahweh or people who has power like uh, the kings uh, uh, during the time of the apostles like Nero and uh, uh, Irat. You know, this we don't uh, read much about their sufferings. They just live in pleasure. So it doesn't seem to be uh, fair. And uh, so the logic is, as people think, well, the Bible says that God is all-powerful. If God is all-powerful, so then he can get rid of sufferings because it's in his power. But he doesn't do that. Now it's also says in the Bible, and everybody teaches it, and this is true, that uh, God is love. So because God is love, he cannot like when people suffer. But uh, he still allows people to uh, suffer, although it's in his power to uh, stop 
sufferings for people or not even to stop sufferings, but to make it so that uh, nobody suffers or to make it so that only bad people suffer and people who believe in Yahweh, these people don't suffer, but he doesn't do that. So why? Why he uh, does it? And uh, the previous speaker uh, already answered to this question, but I would like to emphasize it and uh, go to one or couple examples, depending on how much time I have. So let's go to the scripture reading. And let's uh, uh, read again, starting with verse 3. Sasha, you have till 8.30. What's that? Sasha, you have till 8.30. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Blessed be Elohim, the father of Yahshua the Messiah, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah from the dead. Yeah. I will be uh, stopping you, uh, interrupting you. So, uh, blessed be Yahweh who has begotten us again. So he caused us to be born again by a lively hope. Or hope, it means something to expect uh, in the future by the resurrection of Yahshua, the Messiah. So what we are going to... Uh, expect or look forward uh, in the future. That's what biblical hope means. The biblical hope doesn't mean, well, I hope that uh, it will happen, but it may not happen. I hope that tomorrow will be sunny weather, but uh, I know that it may not happen this way. It's not wishy-washy in uh, Yahweh's purpose. In Yahweh's purpose, hope is something you know for sure, but it doesn't happen yet. So you look expectedly to what's going to happen. So what is he set up before us? Continue on, please, in verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. So he made us born again to the inheritance. We have inheritance incorruptible inheritance and this inheritance reserved in heaven heaven doesn't mean that uh, we have to wait until everybody can go to space and then we can fly the uh, ship and get to our inheritance he is not talking about the physical heaven he is talking about the spiritual inheritance or what we are going to uh, fully receive and fully enjoy after our physical life is over. Although we can already experience uh, uh, the joy of the kingdom of Yahshua being on this uh, planet because the kingdom of Yahshua is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But the whole glory of it is going to be revealed when the veil of the flesh or uh, this physical creation will be uh, taken away. Continue, continue on. Who are kept by the power of Elohim through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye gladly rejoice, 
though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. So now it's talking about suffering. We are in manifold temptations. And I should say that it's not the best translation in the King James Bible. It's the old English uh, uh, language. So if you look up what it means, temptations, it doesn't mean some, you know, sexual temptations, but it means trials. That's what it means. So now for a season, not for all time, for the season, if it needs to be, because for some people it needs to be more, for some people it needs to be less. We are experiencing trials. Continue on. Seven. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Yahshua the Messiah. Right. So what the sufferings we are going through ultimately are going to be for the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Yahshua the Messiah. And why is it so? The first speaker already uh, uh, told you about it because it will uh, the, uh, increase our faith. But continue on reading. Eight and nine. Hello? Um, are we in the oh, scripture? Sorry. I thought I'd unmuted. Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom through now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Right. So receiving the end of our faith, salvation of our soul. So that's the purpose. That's the goal. So Yahweh created us and he placed us on this earth plane to go through our lives and to experience different kinds of sufferings uh, so we can, uh, per, uh, we can grow and perfect our souls because the goal is not our life on this, in this physical creation. If the goal of our creator, as some people, I mean people in a, a religious world, uh, think, they think that, you know, the purpose is uh, for God, it's uh, to people have a Christian life, to have a good family, uh, to have prosperity, uh, to have good health, uh, to, to lead a moral life, and after they die, go to heaven. But the purpose of uh, our creator is not this physical life. This physical life is a school ground for us to uh, develop our soul. Well, first, we have to come to uh, know Yahweh. We have to come to true faith. We have to hear the gospel about Yahshua the Messiah. We have to learn who our Heavenly Father is. And uh, through faith, we hear, uh, which is his gift, is not something we uh, 
can boast about or have to work on. The faith is a gift of Yahweh, it says in the scripture. But uh, he is giving us his, the Holy, his Holy Spirit. And if you can see on this chart in the upper left corner, there is the attributes of the Spirit, wisdom, knowledge, intelligence, love, uh, beauty, justice, foundation, power, and strength. And this, this is the attributes of Yahweh's Spirit. So he puts his Holy Spirit with these attributes in us. And the purpose, <clears throat> excuse me, as the, as the previous speaker said, it's for us to um, be fruitful and multiply. And for Adam, it was be fruitful and multiply from the physical standpoint. But it's all physical points out to spiritual. The ultimate goal is for us to be fruitful and multiply in the spirit or to uh, grow these uh, spiritual uh, fruits. Because, uh, you know, if... Uh, it was in the physical creation the purpose to be uh, to, for people to grow and multiply. The, our creator would have made this physical creation, you know, as a paradise, uh, uh, as a, a garden of uh, Eden, and all people were uh, living in this kind of garden-like state. That's, by the way, what Jehovah's Witnesses think is going to happen when Jesus is going to come back everybody will live in the paradise on earth, not understanding that all physical, all physical by definition, it's temporary and only spiritual, only spirit is eternal. You remember we were reading in the scripture reading that uh, the end of our faith or the goal uh, or result of our faith, it's not the salvation of the physical body, on this uh, earth plane, but it's salvation of our soul for the inheritance which set before us in heaven. So let me uh, give you an example how our creator is temporarily uh, uh, may cause us to uh, experience suffering for the better good for the better good of our soul, we may experience uh, suffering in this uh, physical world. Let's go to uh, John chapter 11. And please let's start reading from the beginning. John 11 and one. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Savior with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Master, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Thank you, Karen. I'll interrupt you for a second. So, uh, so Lazarus, who Yahshua knew and who Yahshua loved, he was sick. And uh, the sisters knew that Yahshua was healing sick people. Uh, it, it was known 
in Israel by that time. And they wanted Yashu to come as soon as he can to heal their brother. Continue on, please. When Yahshua heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of Elohim, that the Son of Yahweh might be glorified thereby. Now Yahshua loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, when... just uh, keep it in mind. We'll go back to verse 5. It's important, and I'll uh, tell you why it's important. It says that Yahshua loved Martha, and her sister Mary, and he loved Lazarus. Continue on reading, please. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days till in the same place where he was. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, it doesn't really, for people, probably for many people who read it, it doesn't make sense. Right. Because the sister... Uh, tell him, you have to come right away because he is sick. And Yasha, uh, uh, he, he is not uh, rushing to do it. He is waiting for two days. Continue on. Seven. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Yahshua answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of the sleep. Then said his disciples, Master, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Yahshua spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Yahshua unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. So now Yahshua is saying that he was glad that he wasn't there. I mean, he wasn't glad that uh, he could uh, heal Lazarus while uh, he was uh, uh, not uh, uh, not dead, but still sick. So he could have been there um, uh, to heal Lazarus, and he could uh, uh, spare Martha and Mary, Lazarus' sister, you know, from uh, turmoil, from uh, uh, mourning over uh, for her uh their their brother uh, who died he could in other words he could have prevent their sufferings mm -hmm. but he didn't do that and he's saying that he uh, he did it for uh, your sakes he's telling the disciples continue on reading please 16 then said thomas which is called didymus unto his fellow disciples 
Let us also go that we may die with him. Then when Yahshua came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Yahshua was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Yahshua, Master, if you had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever you will ask of Yahweh, Yahweh will give it thee. Yahshua saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Yahshua said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Sorry for interrupting. So Yahshua is asking Martha if uh, <laughs> she has faith in Yahshua that he is able to resurrect the person, not you know, after this uh, creation is gone, so to speak, or at the last day, as Martha is saying. But right now, talking about her brother who was uh, dead for uh, four days. Please continue reading. 27. Mm -hmm. He saith unto him, Yea, Master, I believe that thou art the Messiah, the son of Elohim, which shall come into the world, which should come into the world. And when she had said so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The master is come and calls for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Yahshua was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Yahshua was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Master, if you had been here, my brother had not died. And Yahshua therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her. He groaned in the spirit, and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Master, come and see. Yahshua wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them yeah. said... Sorry, I'll interrupt you. For a second, you know, for for people who like, uh, I just remembered. It's a side note. Who like uh, trivia? This is the shortest scripture in the Bible. Uh, Yasha wept. You know, that's the, the shortest, uh, the shortest verse I would say yeah. uh, in the Bible. But why did he weep? Because people thought that. Uh, uh, Yasha wept. Then they said, "The Jews, behold, how he loved him." He, they thought that Yahshua is weeping 
because he loved uh, Lazarus and now Lazarus is dead. But in fact, Yahshua is uh, weeping because people around him, they still don't believe in who he is, although he is telling them that he is the resurrection and the life. He wants people to believe him. Continue on, please. 37. 37. Mm -hmm. Some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Yahshua therefore again groaning in himself comes to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Yahshua said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Master, by this time he stinketh, for he has been dead four days. For a second, just, uh, just I'll interrupt you for a second. Look what Martha is saying. Just several minutes before that, in verse 27, we read, she said unto him, Yes, Master, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of Yahweh, who should come into the world because he is telling them, don't you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? So meaning uh, he who uh, believes in me, though he is dead, he shall live. Uh, talking about in general, of course, about people, but about Lazarus as well. And Martha said, yes, I believe. But what we read in verse 39 actually shows that she still doesn't believe because mm -hmm. why we let him out, he stinks. You know, she, she doesn't think that uh, Yashu is able to do something. Okay. Or, you know, if, uh, or if he is able to raise some, somebody from the dead, do you think Yashu won't able to uh, make some uh, uh, deodorant miracle or remove <laughs> the odor, you know, from the man? It's, it's easier to do. Uh, continue on, please. 40. Yahshua saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of Elohim? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Yahshua lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Yahshua saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Yahshua did believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Yahshua had done. Right. So because what uh, happened, you know, some uh, people or many of the Jews, it says, believed in uh, Yahshua. So uh, you know, there are uh, several things in this uh, uh, story, but one of them which I would like to convey, if you look at what happened, is that Yasha 
could have uh, prevent Martha and Mary from suffering over the death of uh, their brother, but he didn't do it. He was waiting for four days to come when Lazarus was definitely uh, dead. Nobody had any doubts about it. And uh, he resurrected Lazarus from death. So he allowed this sufferings for a time, for a, uh, as we read in the scripture reading, or for a season for Martha and uh, Mary, so they will have much greater eternal benefit. And the eternal benefit is to believe that Yahshua is resurrection. So he can resurrect people from the dead. And later on, they will, uh, they will understand because they don't have any spiritual understanding yet. They don't have Holy Spirit yet. And I will, I'll see five minutes. Uh, I'll, and I'll show you one of the witnesses in this uh, story that. So, but when they have uh, the uh, spirit because of uh, this belief in, uh, in the gospel, and the gospel is death, burial, resurrection of uh, Yahshua, the Messiah, that he is resurrection. He can, and they will understand that resurrecting Lazarus from the physical standpoint, from the physical death, it's an example of the spiritual or eternal resurrection, which he is going to perform with Martha's soul, Mary's soul, and yours and mine soul, because our souls are dead. It says in the book Romans uh, 8 and 6 that to be carnally minded is death. And we all carnally, carnally minded or have a condemned mind or a sinful mind before we know the truth. But Yahshua can resurrect our mind and can translate it into heaven. Now, you remember in the verse... Um, uh, in the beginning of the scripture, in uh, chapter 11, we read that uh, Yahshua loved Martha, verse 5. And then we read uh, in verse 36 how the Jews is talking about Yahshua, because, behold how he loved him. This is the same word is used in English, but actually it's a very different word in uh, uh, Greek based on uh, uh, Hebrew uh, original because uh, it's a different uh, topic but originally the scriptures including New Testament scriptures were written in Hebrew and Aramaic so when people say uh, when uh, people say behold how he loved him about Yahshua the word for love is filial to means to like somebody that's what people in the world have they like each other they love each other uh, it's, it's a common uh, word for uh, love. However, when Yahshua uh, is, uh, when it says in verse 5, now Yahshua loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Love is a different word. It's word agape. And agape, it's uh, the love word for attribute of Yahweh, which you see in this, uh, uh, on this chart in the upper left corner. This is Yahweh's 
love, agape, and people don't have this kind of love. This love is the gift of the Holy Spirit, which people didn't have, uh, didn't have yet at this time. And uh, finally, because I have a couple uh, minutes left, uh, there is a, also a reason why uh, Yasha waited for four days to uh, resurrect Lazarus. Uh, Rick, could you show me edges and dispensations chart, please? Now we read in the scriptures. Thank you. We read in the scriptures. That's when uh, Eve and Adam sinned. In Adam, all died because uh, with Adam came con condemnation and spiritually uh, uh, in Adam and all people after Adam until Yahshua the Messiah were spiritually dead. And uh, from the uh, fall of Adam until Yahshua the Messiah, it was 4,000 years. Now the scripture in 2 Peter 3 and 8 says for Yahweh, for Yahweh, one day it's like 1,000 years and 1,000 years it's like one day. So Lazarus being dead for four days is representing the whole humankind from Adam until coming of Yahshua the Messiah, all people were spiritually dead. And Yahshua resurrecting uh, Lazarus from physical death is pointing out how Yahshua, after his death, burial, and resurrection and outpouring of the Holy Spirit will resurrect everybody who will believe that Yahshua is the resurrection and the life. So thank you, my time is up and all praise and glory be to Yahweh through Yahshua the Messiah. Thank you. Our next speaker will please be the Dean of the Oceanside, California class, Dr. Dennis Folke. I want to say good evening to everyone and I uh, hope that you've been edified. I think that the speakers did a great job uh, pointing out some aspects of how Yahweh's purpose is operating. Now the scripture reading that we're reading tonight in 1 Peter, there's a few things in there that I'd like to just try to hit on uh, in, you know, in the time that we have left. And I want to start at verse 4. <clears throat> To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Now, when we talk about an inheritance, let's just think about that for one minute. Number one, uh, typically uh, people, when they are born into a family, let's say that is wealthy or, you know, have things that are very valuable, uh, and there's an inheritance, and you know that they're by birth, as it were, uh, receiving a gift or an inheritance that was basically uh, uh, what, you know, that was somehow worked or gotten by the father. So the father did amass whatever it is that is going to, as it were, be passed on to the offspring. Now, 
Yahshua is the son of Yahweh, meaning that Yahweh, pure spirit, when he took on shape and form right within himself, we call that form the word or the son. And then we also say that the word was made flesh. Now, we know that Yahshua is truly not that fleshly body. He actually is the Holy Spirit that inspired every uh, prophet and every vision that was given down through the law and the prophets. Now, what I want you to know is Yahweh has an inheritance for Yahshua. In Romans, the eighth chapter, um, as it was cited, the, uh, that we are joint heirs with the Messiah. Now, what, the reason why we have an inheritance is because Yahshua, who did the will of the Father, he said, not my will be done, but your will be done. That's what he asked when he was in the garden praying and asked if it be possible to remove this cup from me. He said, but not my will be done, but your will. Now, Yahshua, he did at all times the will of his father and didn't do his own will. He loved the father with his whole heart, soul, spirit, however you want to look at it, and laid down his life in obedience to his father. Now, that made him then to be worthy of great glory, which is the inheritance. Go over to John, the 17th chapter, if you would, for a minute. And let's start at, let's just start at 17 and 1 of John. We're just going to read a few verses in there. And 17 and 1. These words spake Yahshua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Now, what we've got is Yahshua asking to be glorified, that he might glorify the Father, because he's a reflection of Yahweh in pure spirit. Keep reading. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Go ahead. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true Elohim, and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. Read. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Now that glory that Yahshua had, was the glory of Yahweh, pure spirit, upon him. And his inheritance is to be glorified with the glory of Yahweh that he had right from the beginning. And that glory is solely his. Nobody, no creature, no angel, no man, did anything to deserve to be glorified. But what Yahshua has elected to do is to... Uh, as it were, parcel out or give a part of his inheritance to each one of those souls that would be gathered in him that become a member of his body, which means we, who have been called according to the purpose, are going to receive a portion of that glory that is in Yahshua the Messiah that we might be glorified with him at the end. Now, that is our inheritance. We are uh, to receive a part of his inheritance, 
We are co-inheritors with him. Now, the founder used to say it like this. He said, now when Yahshua appears at the end of this age, he's going to have the whole family with him in, and when he universally appears. He said, and he's going to outshine the noonday sun with an immortal glorified body. He said, a super incorporeal form. And he said, you're going to be right there next to him or with him, having the same body that he has. That's Yahshua sharing his inheritance with you, and we are glorified in Yahshua with his glory. And we will appear with that same immortal glorified body that he has. Now, he's the head, and we are the members of his body. He's the king. We're all kings. We're a, a, a kingdom of priests. And we are, as it were, uh, uh, kings that will be portrayed in that fashion. And Yash was the king of kings. Now, we have an inheritance that's waiting on us that is, let's say it this way. We are receiving what is referred to in the scriptures as a uh, earnest of the spirit. Now, earnest is a small portion. Uh, you know, if you're going to buy a house and you go out and you have to put earnest money down, that is a down payment so that you will not uh, uh, think about pulling out of, after you sign the contract of buying the house or you'll lose that inheritance, or I mean that, that uh, earnest of, that you gave. So in this case, what Yash was doing is he's given us a... Uh, I'll put it this way, an earnest of his own spirit, meaning that we now have the Holy Spirit in us. And that spirit that is in us is covering up and causing us not to be naked at the end of this age when we appear before Yahweh, but will be clothed with his glory. And that's already taking place right within you. Now, until this physical body is removed and we then are caught up with Yahshua at the universal revelation to show the full uh, maturity of that body. We now have just a portion of it. And what is that portion? That we have been given the divine nature. That's the inheritance, ladies and gentlemen. And I want you to hold your finger in 1 Peter, the first chapter. And let's go to 2 Peter, the first, uh, first chapter. And I want to go down to... All right, let's go down to four. Well, let's see. Let's start at three. Second Peter 1 and 3. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Now, I'm, if you remember, we like to quote this all the time. We go over to Colossians 1.26. And Dr. Kinley used to quote this, and he used to change the way it reads in the Bible. It says that, uh, uh, that we might, uh, uh, he said, our only hope, we have a hope of glory in Yahshua, to be in Yahshua. Hang on for one minute here because I want to get certain words in there and I want to go over there and pick that up and all of a sudden my my Bible went blank here. Here we go. Hang on one second. I want to read that just the way it is in the scriptures. So in Colossians, the first chapter, verse 26. 
Let me get it. I'm using my electronic Bible. All right, here's what it says. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his sons, to whom Yahweh would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is the Messiah in you, the hope of glory. And Dr. Kinley would change that, say, which is Yahshua in you, the only hope of glory. Now, we have been given the Holy Spirit before the universal revelation, before this physical body has been taken off and we become fully uh, clothed in that divine uh, uh, superincorporeal form, we already have something in us that is causing us to have glory. Or, in other words, that we have a hope of glory. And that is that we have what we're reading now back <laughs> over in Second Peter again, the first chapter. Uh, go ahead and finish where you were. Uh, four. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. There it is right there, that you might be a partaker of the divine nature. Now, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to bring this out for this reason. What we're talking about at the end of this age is an external glory, which is the superincorporeal body. But what you don't understand is Yahweh doesn't work that way. He doesn't work from the outside in. He always works from the inside out, which means that we are first going to take on that glory now right here in the flesh. We already now have become partakers of the divine nature. As that nature begins to grow, and all of us, we're, we're not perfected yet in that nature. We are, as Dr. Kinley once said, what he got instantaneously, we're getting piecemeal. So every time you come to class and the Holy Spirit lights you up or enlightens you with a revelation of some aspect of his divine purpose and plan, that is you taking on more and more of the divine nature. Your knowledge is growing, your understanding, your wisdom. As you learn more, you have more love towards Yahweh and towards the brethren. All these things are growing in you piecemeal, one revelation at a time. And we are becoming set apart, sanctified from the rest of the world. The world does not have the divine nature. They don't know a thing about it. But you are already being glorified on the inside. And those that have the Holy Spirit will be able to recognize the Holy Spirit in another person and see the glory of Yahshua operating through you, just as you see in some other people that are in this gospel. Now, that all is going on on an internal sense, and it is discerned, it's spiritually discerned by those that have the Holy Spirit and can discern that mystery of righteousness operating within a person. Now, at the same token, we have a physical body with an immortal soul now. When I say immortal, you have received eternal life. Your soul is not subject to the second death. Now, the second death is an eternal death that's being cast into the lake of fire. <clears throat> but eternal life means you have no loss or you cannot lose the Holy Spirit and ever, as it were, uh, have this glory taken from you that has already been put within you. 
Now, what we got is we got this immortal, immortal or eternal spirit in a soul that is now in a, as it were, a mortal body, a body that has not yet been removed from us. Now, at the end of this age, we have to have this physical body uh, as it will, were dissolved. I'll put it that way. And what is going to emerge is a new body that is also immortal and glorified externally. And now we have the age uh, on your ages chart. This is the age of immortality that's coming in the fifth age. Yes, you have immortality of your soul, but not your body that you're walking around in. So we know that we've gotten an inheritance, an earnest of it, that we've received now the divine nature, which is causing us to become, as it were, a reflection of not only Yahshua, but Yahweh himself, because that divine nature is originated from that state of pure spirit, manifested through Yahshua, and now is manifesting through you with Yahshua in you. So we have an inheritance that is incorruptible, we have an inheritance, ladies and gentlemen, that is already starting to take on form right within us. Let's go back over to 1 Peter again, where we left off. And we talked about, uh, uh, okay, uh, we where did we leave? Did we leave off in three? Okay, we did. And I'll just reiterate it. He says, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby, now pick it up right there, four. Well, to an inheritance uncorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Where are you? Where are you? I'm sorry. She's in First Peter. You want Second Peter? Oh, Second Peter, the fourth chapter. Whereby given? Yeah, that's one. That's Second Peter one and four. Yeah, Second Peter one and four. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. All right. Now, let's now let's go back now to 1 Peter. I know I wanted that. I also wanted to go back to go, that. Yes. And I can't remember where we left off. You you can do All four. Right. Let, go ahead start at 4. To an inheritance uncorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Now, we have an inheritance, ladies and gentlemen, that's coming up that's not able to be corrupted, and it's undefiled, and it can't fade away. It's reserved. Now, you know, when you make a reservation, you call up and you say, listen, I would like to come and dine in your establishment uh, tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. So what they do is they put your name down which means your name, it's already written, and that when you arrive there the next day, which essentially went from the day uh, you made the reservation, it's in the future. You arrive there in the future, your name is already there, and it's yours. It's your uh, place or your so-called uh, uh, reservation of a table or whatever it is is waiting for you. Well, in this case, we have a reservation. Yahweh chose us in Yahshua from the beginning. And all glory and all, uh, uh, if you will, 
All the things that we're talking about in this inheritance are laid up in Yahshua the Messiah. Now, the way we have to obtain that is by us being put within Yahshua. That's what's happening. You have to be a member of his body to receive this inheritance. Now, it's the same thing when you were born. You have to be a member of the, uh, the body, meaning the family now, and have to be named when you're born. And that inheritance now is waiting for you at a certain time when you're able then to partake of it. And usually it's after the person has is, 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 uh, passed away. Now, what I want you to see is Yahshua has laid up for each and every one of us that were chosen in him from the beginning. Yahweh has laid up an inheritance in Yahshua or a place for our souls to be, uh, as it were, connected or dwell in that will cause us then to be glorified and have a nature that is going to be also incorruptible. And here he's talking about we have this inheritance. Now keep reading at five, because I want to get down to something else here before I run out of clock. Who are kept by the power of Elohim through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last now, time. That's what I wanted to talk to you about right there. This inheritance that we're waiting for doesn't come till the close of this age. And we know that coming down to the close of an age, we are going to find that things are going to get harder and they're going to be more difficult in this world that we're living in because the mystery of iniquity is rising up, ladies and gentlemen. And we see that the world is becoming a dangerous place. And we know that the flesh is constantly being uh, tried within each and every one of us as to whether we're going to value our physical lives, our physical needs over the things we've received uh, from Yahshua through the preaching of the gospel. Now, what it says here, we are kept by the power of Yahweh through faith unto salvation. Now, I want you to know that he is the one that is causing you to remain down here in this teaching. He's the one that gets you motivated to come down here and hear the gospel preached, to be edified by it, to be rejuvenated, to be strengthened, uh, and all the things that the world doesn't have, so that as life starts to close in on you with all the problems, all the trials, all the tribulations, which is talked about further down in this chapter, you are being given, as it were, the tools to be able to stay in this faith in Yahweh unto salvation. You are able to find uh, stability, and you're able to find peace in a, in a world of chaos, and your life being in a chaotic state, which we know that things happen to all of us that we have no power over, uh, but we have to somehow find, uh, uh, as we say, the ray of light or the, uh, the, you know, the uh, silver lining in it so that we can recognize that Yahweh has got everything under control and through faith in him we can find peace and stability. And this is what the trial is for. We're going to talk about that before I get off this, before I get done here. And I want you to see we're kept by the power of Yahweh through faith unto salvation. Now, in other words, we not, we're not looking at what we're going to gain in this life as being the very, the, you know, the very thing that'll give us any kind of peace or, or, or comfort in this life. All of us now are looking at what, has, what is in store for us down here at the close of this age and where we go from there. Now, where do we go from there? 
Once we, 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 at the end of this age, when this body is dissolved, it's, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, you will be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. In other words, you will be instantaneously dematerialized, I'm talking about this physical body, and taking on or putting on instantly that immortal glorified body. Now, when that happens, and you are in that state of glory, and you have now, uh, uh, the devil is no longer going to be any problem for you. He's going to be cast into the lake of fire. We are going on into a new creation. Now, when I say a new creation, I'm not talking about something physical. We can only use the physical example to try to illustrate our principle. And that is we're going into a new heaven and new earth. Now, not literally a new earth or a new universe, if you will. But we're going into a creation that Yahweh is devised that is everlasting. This physical universe is temporal. Whether, whether you want to say, well, it's been around for billions and trillions of years. Well, the bottom line is they all know that at some point, the whole universe will deteriorate, they call it entropy, and break down, and eventually it's going to collapse or die or whatever. It's going to go out. The point is that this new creation is eternal and will never deteriorate. It will never break down. And it's going to be of a, a creation of such awe and such beauty that it is unimaginable for us to be able yet to know and understand just exactly what we are heading towards, other than that we have Yahweh's promise, that Yahshua has promised to bring us into a new heaven and new earth state. And Dr. Kinley used to say that if you ever got just a knothole view, looking through a fence where there's a knothole pushed out, he said if you got a knothole view of what Yahweh has in store for you in the next age, in the next creation, you wouldn't allow anything in this life to stand in your way from obtaining it. Now you're just going to have to recognize that every one of us have to keep that in mind and know that we're looking for that reward at the end of the age. And we're willing, and there was a scripture just read in one of the classes recently where it talked about how that you know, all flesh is as grass and it's going to fade away. But I want you to know is this life is going to just evaporate I mean, it goes fast. People think when they're young that life's going to go on forever. But as you age, scientists say that time actually moves faster because it's all a perception. And what happens is you're going to be out of here before you even know it. I see the five minutes. So my point is what we have to do is keep the hope alive. And we come to class to be reminded of these things so we don't let the world eat us away and make us think that all that's important is the things in the, in the flesh or the material things. We have something to stay, uh, uh, if you will, have a hope for, and that is the hope of immortal glorification and the new earth state, which is our uh, one of our aims. We have that hope because it hasn't been fulfilled yet. Yahweh has promised us that, but he'll keep us it, through the power of salvation through faith. And therefore, the trial of our faith, ladies and gentlemen, is what builds faith. Faith isn't just a lecture you hear, and you go, oh yeah, that makes sense. Their faith is substance, and uh, it's a substance of things. So you have to experience a situation where everything seems almost impossible and, 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 and impossible to solve a problem and have Yahweh deliver you from that especially as the Israelites came up out of the land of Egypt and they were there at the Red Sea, thought there's no way for us not to be killed by Pharaoh and his host. And they feared. 
And Moses had to tell him to fear not and stand still. Now, stand still means just take a breath. I'm using that analogy. And watch the salvation that Yahweh will show you this day. No matter what you're going through in your life, don't ever forget that Yahweh's got everything under control. You're going to be just fine. You're just going to have to let him show you his salvation and learn to be patient. And the trials are what causes you to have these experiences in your soul that grows your faith. Because as he delivers you and shows you that he had your back all the way, as the next trial comes, you got that now to fall back on that will keep you strong. So the trial of your faith is vital for you to make it through this what we're about to go into down here at the close of the age. And I want to encourage you to continue coming to class to hear these things taught. And I also want to tell you that the devil, Yahshua uh, uh, said in Matthew 24, that the time is going to be so bad down at the end, and I'm putting it in my words, that if Yahweh didn't cut it short, even the very elect would, be, would not be saved. They would be lost. So you can imagine just how terrible it's going to be as time goes on and the trial of your soul and the devil trying to beat you down and get you not to believe in Yahweh, not to believe that uh, Yahweh's got your back, not you know, and, and make you think that he's abandoned you, uh, that he, uh, uh, you're a sinner and he doesn't want anything to do with it. You've got to recognize that Yahshua always keeps his word. And when Yahweh speaks a promise and is manifested through Yahshua, all you have to do is believe in Yahshua with all your heart and all your soul and all your might that he will do it, that he will fulfill that and hang on. And I remember years ago, our dean used to say to us, when you feel like the fire is going out for the zeal for class, reach down inside your soul and find an ember, just a little tiny ember, he said, and bring it up here, and we'll throw, he used to use this uh, pun, we'll throw some kinley on it, he used to say, meaning this teaching. And what that will do is ignite it into a fire again that will consume any of those fears and any of those things that you are going through. So this is what we do. We come to class to be renewed in the spirit of our mind, to be able to get through these trials that all of us have to go through. And I will remind you of this also. Dr. Kinley said that I wouldn't give you two cents for a Holy Ghost that hasn't been tried. Every one of us are being tried. And notice that he said this, a Holy Ghost being tried. Dennis would not be able to overcome the trial with the mystery of iniquity. But Yahshua in us is our strength. He will overcome that trial that the devil is placing upon us, and he's being used by Yahweh to make you stronger. And I want you to know that the trial of our faith is more precious than gold, and it will rot in us a fire that we will use to consume eventually not only this physical body, but the creation itself. I hope that made some sense. I hope you got something out of it. And I'll turn it back to the moderator. Hallelujah and peace in Yahshua to all of the brethren. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you everyone for joining us. And we hope that you will join us again. The Madison class holds Zoom class every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Just a reminder, please stay muted until the live stream has ended. 
Now we'll be dismissed by the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, with the only wise Yahweh, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.